Shalom and welcome again to another edition of Secrets of Meeting, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address, and we welcome your comments and uh, suggestions to me, Rabbi Address, at jewishsacredaging.com. The world of uh, the Jewish community right now, as all of us know, is an extreme transition. And one of the agencies that have monitored us, monitored us for decades is the Anti-Defamation League of B'nai B'rith. And we are very pleased to welcome to today's edition of Seekers of Meaning, Andrew Goretsky, who is the Regional Director for the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, the Philadelphia office which serves our particular area where we're recording this, uh, the greater Philadelphia area, which includes South Jersey and uh, the state of Delaware. So without further ado, Andrew, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us, and I hope you're feeling better. I am improving, and thank you for having me, Rabbi Address. Thank you. Glad, glad to um, be here. It's, I'm very happy that you're here, especially this time um, emerging out of the high holidays, uh, as we have done, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Simchat Torah. No doubt many of the people who will be listening or watching this around the world um, if they're Jewish, have emerged out of the holidays, and many probably have heard their rabbis or clergy speak about the changes, the rise in anti-Semitism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you're you're joining us now is at a very propitious moment, and I thank you again for for people who may not be familiar with the institutional structure of of the ADL. What? Tell me, what is the ADL? Where did it come from and, and how it is how it's structured? We have a Philadelphia office, yep. but we have people who will be listening and watching this from all over the country, North America and, and parts of the world. So tell me a little bit about that. Yep. So the Anti-Defamation League was founded in 1913 with the mission to fight the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment to all. Because our founders knew then, over a hundred years ago, that you can't fight one form of hate and bigotry without fighting all forms of hate and bigotry. Um, I am the regional director for our Philadelphia office. We have about 25 regional offices uh, across the country. There's also our national office in New York. Um, and we also have an office in Jerusalem as well. Um, and we are structured in a variety of different ways at the national level. We have our Center on Extremism, which tracks a lot of extremist activity, um, both online and in general. We have our Center for Technology and Society, um, which was founded to fight the rising hate online and growing hate online. And given my own research background in higher ed, um, which is on student engagement in mobile technology. I have a very strong interest in that particular realm. Uh, we also have our Center for Anti-Semitism Research, in large part because we believe firmly that in order to fight anti-Semitism and hate, we have to have strong data to do it. At the regional office level, we are helping on the ground level. In my office, we have an operational division which does incident response and will support in uh, incidents that are occurring, as well as working with local legislation and legislatures on hate crime legislation and advocating for policy changes. 
We also work closely in that unit with law enforcement because we believe in order to be able to fight hate and anti-Semitism, we have to have a strong relationship with law enforcement. In addition, we have an education unit, um, which does a lot of our education work, our No Place for Hate, we have over 200 uh, schools within our own region um, that work with that, as well as doing Holocaust education and other types of educational methods. And then in my unit, we also have a development uh, off, uh, unit. We are a completely fundraised organization, and so depend on fundraising in order to keep our operations going at the regional and national level. So... Um I'm always fascinated by what drew people to do what they're doing. Uh, and before we get into the, 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 the talkless of, of a lot of this stuff that you've talked about, what, what motivated you to, to go into this kind of work? So a couple of things. Um, I come to this work after spending 23 years in higher education. So my background is in higher education. Uh, my doctorate's in higher education. I was most recently a dean of students at Arcadia University um, outside oh, of Philadelphia. Um, I was at George Washington University, University of Maryland College Park, UMass Amherst. And having spent 23 years in higher ed, one factor, I am concerned about rising anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism on college campuses. Um, and I want to be able to come and bring some of my expertise in order to help uh, strategize around that and help to combat that. Um, also, um, really for me was after the Tree of Life massacre um, was a major impact on me, especially the impact it had on my son. And the level of fear that I saw from him. Um, and he's 11. We just picked his bar mitzvah date. Uh, so getting, so getting ready for that. Um, and so for me, I consider myself blessed to be able to, to do this work in order to, to fight rising anti-Semitism and hate as we continue to see it grow. Um, but it's, it's for very personal reasons, um, that I've come to this work. That's thank you. I, I I really do appreciate that because I think it's it also opens the door to your soul and who you are. Let's let, let me pursue this a little bit because for those of us who have served congregations and who have perhaps taught confirmation classes or post confirmation classes and um, talk to kids who are seniors in high school and you know they have perhaps become bar bat mitzvah or confirm, and yet when we know that they're going to that college campus, that Wisconsin or Michigan or Penn or GW or wherever, 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 woefully unprepared, woefully unprepared to deal with the realities. And when they're walking down the quad and seeing the, 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 the booth for Palestinian rights or having that roommate who perhaps has never even seen a Jewish kid or person, talk to me about what your office, what the organization is doing to help bolster, support our young students as they go into this world? Well, I think that there's a couple of approaches to this that we are working on currently, and we are continuing to build out our strategy. First is we work very closely with Hillel's. We know that Hillel's are on the college campus and on the ground 
working on, on that space. And so we do work and have a very strong partnership with Hillel and actually have a very, uh, a formal relationship in reporting incidents when they occur so that they can come to us, um, as, as well. Um, there's a two pronged approach to this. One is educating administrators. Uh, we actually just did a session, which was a briefing for campus leadership yesterday, where we had about 60 uh, individuals come and attend to talk about the work of ADL and Hillel and uh, how anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism presents itself on college campuses and how to support students. So one is we're trying to make sure we're educating administrators. The, the second approach, as far as helping the students, is really encouraging them to connect with the Jewish organizations when they're on campus before something occurs so that that way they can have that relationship and that support when something does occur. We'll continue and be more than happy to come into congregations on our education unit to come and speak with students. I know I've done something for my own congregation before I even joined ADL uh, about this. Um, but we're, we're more than happy to work at the regional level with local congregations and local students before they're getting ready to go to college. Um, we also have information on our website that will help students strategize when they run into issues and be thinking about things before they have issues. And so our, our website has a plethora of information that I encourage What's individuals website, to look Andrew? at. And, Andrew, and Andrew, give us the website real fast. Um, it's www.adl.org. So if you go there and you work. just do a search for college, uh, you'll find anything related to college and the resources, but it's www.adl.org. Super. Thank you. Because uh, I, I know this is a, an ongoing issue that seems to be getting a little worse, uh, actually, in the last couple of years. And, um, and I know... And I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the relationship with Hillel, um, which is, which is extremely important. Do you do outreach? Uh, I, I, that's a silly question. Of course you do. Uh, to local boards of rabbis around, you know, to, around the country to, to make sure that, cause this is, people need to understand ADL is a non-denominational it's not linked to any particular denominational uh, fabric within the American Jewish community. This is the Jewish community. Correct. So reaching out to various boards of rabbis, I mean, uh, you encourage we that? We do, and we will encourage that. I One of the first things I tried to do when I came into my role, I've been in seven and a half months, is to connect to a different board of rabbis in order to be able to talk about the services that we provide and the way, different ways that we can support. Um, and more than happy to continue to make those connections. The, the student issue, as you pointed out, is extremely important. I do want to ask you, because this seems to be um, all over the place and for just bewildering and frightening at the same time, and that's this rise of anti-Semitism within social media. Uh, uh, the the um, there's websites that uh, I, I forget the exact terminology that they're, they're, they're not even on Facebook or, or WhatsApp or whatever. I'd ask my granddaughter. She knows all this stuff, <laughs> but the, but the so-called dark web, which talk to me about that. 
how real is it? Because it seems to be very, very real. And what ADL is, how is ADL working to at least educate people about it or combat it? Well, first, uh, I would share with you, I recently had an op-ed published in the Philadelphia Inquirer, um, specifically talking about GAB and 8chan um, and the rise of white supremacy in the state of Pennsylvania specifically. Um, but there, obviously, we see hate completely online and in online spaces. The murderer who committed the worst atrocity and anti-Semitism uh, massacre at the Tree of Life Synagogue posted his rant on Gab uh, just before going uh, and and committing murder. Um, and so we see this online hate moving forward. Now, our Center for Technology and Society has done a lot of different things. Um, our Center for Technology and Society advocated and was able to get Facebook to change its policy where they will, and their policy is that they will remove Holocaust denial content. Now, they're not doing as good of a job as we would like about them enforcing it, but part of it is, is that people also need to report. And so one of the things I mentioned in the op-ed is we've got to be talking with our children about where they're engaging and how they're engaging and how to report. And I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here because I had a moment with my son who was playing a video game called Among Us. Most of the students will know that game um, and they'll go there. And so he was sitting next to me when he was playing it and he said, oh, I'm out of here. And it was in a way like, whoa, something just happened. So I looked at him and I said, what just happened? And he said, well, this person said, and I don't want to repeat it on the podcast. It was a really right. horrific racist rant. A couple of things with that. One, I'm really upset that he had to experience that. Two, I'm happy he knew to get out of there. <laughs> Three, when I asked him, did you report it? He said, no, I just left the room. I don't know how. Ah. And I said, huh. Okay. So we then had a conversation and we looked and we went on the game and I showed him, here's how you can report when things happen. So much of this occurs, whether it's on different social media, different social media platforms, where our students and our children are seeing it on such a regular basis. Many will leave, but many will not report it. And then it's not seen by the, 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 uh, social media platform. So it's just very important that obviously we're seeing this rise in hate. We've got to be talking about it. Our Center for Technology and Society does a lot of work in advocating for significant policy changes as it relates to social media, where we've had some successes and we're continuing to have those successes. Um, and we'll continue to look at different laws around what's happening on social media and hate. But then talking with our children about where they're going. My son is not allowed to go anywhere near Gab. He knows that I look at that and track that stuff. Gab is a cesspool of racism and anti-Semitism. Um, and we've had that conversation. But how many parents have had that conversation with their student? Um, sorry, as an old dean of students, I call them students and not children. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but, but Andrew, you, you raise a, a really, because there's a lot of people who, in our constituents, you would say great aging, okay, 
their grandparents. And we are very concerned about what our grandchildren are, and at least for my grandchildren, they're very familiar with, you know, this little thing here. They're very familiar with it. Uh, um, On the website, on the ADL website, are there instructions on how to report? Because you raise something with your own sense. How do you know? How do I report this? I may not even know how to report it, or, or that I'm able to report it. Um, and if that information is on the ADL website, how can it get into the hands of every single synagogue and every re- single religious school? Because I will bet you, um, whatever that the majority of synagogue religious schools have never discussed this with their students in their confirmation, pre-confirmation, confirmation, pre-bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah age, just when these kids are really going forth. How can we do that? Well, there there are resources that we do have that people can look at. It is important that whatever online platform that your student that your child is on that you take a look every single one has some sort of way to report inappropriate behavior now whether they'll do something about it is a whole nother story which is a lot of the policy and advocacy work that has to occur um but they have ways to do it and i realized in that moment my son and i had never had that conversation so so part of it is you know what are the things that they're doing? Are they playing Minecraft? Are they playing Among Us? What What are the games that they're playing online? What's the social media that they're on? And each one has its mechanism for reporting. It's usually not that difficult, but you know, part of it is is looking at it together. Uh, I would have to go back and look at our information to see. I don't know off the top of my head if we have specific information about reporting, but I'll take a look. We do have a lot of resources online to talk about reporting and reporting racist and anti-Semitic incidents online. Yeah, I would really be interested. And if if you do do that and, and produce it, I would really be interested in publicizing that on our website because there are a lot of grandparents who who would want to know that? And a significant number of grand, p- people who are grandparents are actually primary caregivers for their grandchildren, and who may be technologically, you know, uh, not up to speed to where a twelve-year-old right now is up to speed on a on their phone, which is light years ahead of some of us. What's Andrew? What's going on? Why, in your experience, both in higher education and now with the ADL? You have a local and you have a national perspective, probably an international perspective. What's going on? Why is there so much of this now, seemingly more than a decade ago? I mean, we've seen with our anti-Semitism audit that a significant rise in anti-Semitic incidents. We see with our white supremacist propaganda report a rise in those different pieces. You know... There's lots of reasons and things that we can think about is why I think we have to be talking about what do we do to intervene and stop it. And this means we've got to be speaking out against it when some things may be free speech, 
we have to speak with louder speech and positive speech. Um, you know, we are seeing constant uh, thousand-year-old anti-Semitic tropes come out and play. We saw it with COVID. Right, we see right. a lot of blaming of Jews for COVID and, and what has occurred there. And, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a time of uncertainty. And when there's times of uncertainty, people look for a scapegoat. But I do think what's most important is that we don't stay silent, that we continue to speak out, um, which for me is one of the many reasons I joined this organization, because it gives me that platform and that opportunity to do so in a way that is meaningful to me. And I would encourage anybody to find that connection point for themselves. If that's with the ADL, come and work with us. If that's someplace else, go and work with them. But we're obviously we're seeing it, but I think we can fight it back and combat against it. I wouldn't do this work if I didn't believe that. No, no. I mean, that's why I asked you that first question of what drew you to that, because I think that gives, as I said, it, it, it's an insight into your own soul. Um, the, how much of the linkage of this white supremacist and this other term that's now being used a lot of, of uh, Christian nationalism, how much do you see, you know, the, the, this linkage, whether it's real or fabricated, but it does present a, um, another issue because we're seeing this in some legislation too. Uh, and proposed legislation around certain issues such as abortion, et cetera, of, um, well, if you don't fit into this little box, you're part of the other. And look, the Jews have had thousands of years practice of being the other. We're really, we, we know how to do that, uh, whether we like it or not. How much of, how much is ADL right now involved in this? Because you, it's a fine line, I would imagine, in certain communities, uh, doing interfaith work and, you have this so-called Christian nationalism, white supremacist. How much of this is all like flowing together? So there's a lot there to unpack. Um, I, I do feel the need to preface my next statement with uh, ADL is a 501c3 nonpartisan organization. So um, we make sure to, to be nonpartisan in all of our work. Um, and work towards that. I think that what we're seeing is we're seeing what was old extremist ideologies becoming more normalized. And that's the problem in the challenge. These conspiracy theories, the whole white replacement conspiracy theory, right, right where right. the belief that Jews are spearheading this idea of replacing white people with individuals of color. This is a conspiracy theory that's existed for a long time. Um, it's coming out of the fringes. It's becoming more normalized. And that's where we have to stop the normalization of it. That's why we have to speak out against it um, and speak out to a greater degree against it. Um, you know, our Center on Extremism has tracked where this information is getting more normalized and continues to put out that information specifically to be able to have that data to push against it. I don't know if I answered your question. 
Well, let me let me rephrase it another in another way, Andrew. Part of the normalization that you talked about is finding its way into people running for office and being, and sometimes I think being elected. Um, and we're just about to go into the uh, the midterms, and it's, it feels very tenuous. But if some of these individuals get elected, and it can happen here, and and look, the the rise in the right wing is is it's happening in various places around the world. Uh, so it's not just confined to the United States of America. But how does ADL, because I know you have to walk a line politically. Yeah. But there's a real danger if some of these individuals actually get elected and are actually in a position of making policy for a state or a locality. So I think a couple of things. One, we have as an organization, and I can, after this, try to get you the links to those. We have put out reports about extremist ideology in candidates um, and those that are and extremist ideologies on both the left and the right. Um, Right. And so we put out information so that people can be aware. We also strongly emphasize and do a lot of partnerships with other organizations around voter registration and getting out the vote. Um, it's one of the things I know we're focusing on uh, for this November election is to make sure that people do vote and get out to vote. And then we strongly encourage people to know who you're voting for, know what they, where they stand on policies, and know where they stand in in all of this. And so it's one of the reasons we put out information about extremist ideologies of candidates. And it's one of the things that's just very important in the election process. As you survey not only our region here, but nationally, do you get a sense that, um, and this is a difficult question that's probably to answer, do, do you get a sense from the grassroots of the American Jewish community right now that the masses of the American Jewish community are really up in arms about this and the antenna and up and they're really concerned? Or is it just a small group? You know, it's a hard question for me to answer because I don't know that I can speak for the masses. Um, You know, your gut then, your gut, you know, and well, I I also need to preface this with um, when I worked in Southern Vermont, I was one of two Jewish staff members with about 15 Jewish students on campus. And when I was ever asked what the Jewish students needed, I said, when you ask three rabbis the same question, you get nine different answers. So I can't speak for what all the Jewish student needs are on campus. So my, my gut, I, I think, I think understandably, many of us are concerned. Um, I think a large number are, I can't say that definitively. Um, but we're seeing rise of anti-Semitism in a way that, you know, my father, of blessed memory, would be shocked to see what we're seeing today. Right. Um, he he never expected it in America, um, and so I think we're seeing anti-Semitism in a way that I know my father hadn't, um, and I think. As a country, we've we, we've got to continue to fight it. It's it's anti-Semitism and racism. Um, racism's been around for centuries as well, um, 
but we're, we're, I think the Jewish community understandably is concerned, um, and we'll, we'll need to continue to fight it. No, I think what you just said is very, it has to be emphasized too, this linkage between anti-Semitism and racism, um, which goes to some of the darker underbelly of the United, of the history of the United States really has to be examined. Hopefully it would find itself in every curriculum in every religious school, uh, because our kids who may not really understand or get taught history, but this is part of, um, the country we're living in it has to be understood in a on a on a i think a global perspective as well as a personal perspective get some get some understanding of it on a on a historical sense because it'll help make sense in many ways of what's happening now putting on a very practical aspect there may be co- there may be maybe colleagues or chairs of committees in a synagogue or a, a men's club or a hadassah group how do they get involved in this? How does a social justice, how does a rabbi get their congregation or an organization? How do they begin to get involved in, in, in doing this work? Well, at ADL, we do have a signature synagogue program where we will work with synagogues and they would be able to have a representative from the synagogue sit in on our board meetings. Um, and then we commit to a couple of programs, uh, a year when a signature, when a synagogue joins our signature synagogue program. So that's a direct way for a, a congregation to get involved with ADL. Um, and we are continuing to outreach and grow that program. Um, I think in general is building coalitions. So it's working with ADL. It's working with other. The social justice organizations um, and civil rights organizations in order to develop what strategy works best for your own congregation. You know, what works for my congregation over at BTBJ on Paper Mill Road over here in, in, in the suburbs of Philadelphia um, is different than what might be needed at a synagogue in southern Jersey. Um, and so I think determining what's best for your own synagogue is important too. This signature synagogue program, is it just local or is this a national program? It is a national program. It's run out of each of the regional offices. So the regional so offices rabbi, manage it. So if I'm a member of a congregation in, let's say, uh, St. Louis um, or Albuquerque, um, and I want to investigate this, this is like really good. I don't have to manage it. I can just. You know, because every congregational rabbi is overworked. That's how they, they they get in touch with their local regional ADL office and set up this partnership. That is correct. They can contact the local regional office, ask for information about the signature synagogue program, and the regional office would talk with them about that. Before we run out of time here, just if you were able to speak to all the colleagues around the country of North America with one piece of advice. Now that the year is beginning, given what you know, and giving the lay of the land, what's that one piece of advice? <laughs> I get only one. Um, I would say just don't stay silent. It's, it's silence is, is, 
going to hurt all of us. And so if you, I mean, this is going to sound a little cliche. If you see something, say something, but don't stay silent, speak out and get involved. Um, we can't afford to not be involved anymore. Then let me ask you a follow-up question to that, because this is also very real. We have colleagues in congregations in the United States of America who want to speak out, but are hesitant to speak out because they may have people in their congregation, I'm being really honest right now, and, and of various political stripes who may turn around to them and say, Rabbi, we didn't hire you to talk about politics. We, you know, talk about, you know, nice spiritual things, you know, be kind, et cetera, et cetera. We don't want to hear about racism or this, that, and that belongs in another place, not from the Bema. How, what it, how, when that rabbi comes to you and says, Andrew, I want to do this, but I have to walk a very, very fine line here. I'm not a clergy, so I've, 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 you know, there's, there's, and I'm not a rabbi, so it, there's a piece that comes with that, that, you know, I don't have to walk that same fine line that that rabbi might have to within their own congregation. Um, I think that for me, when I think about Jewish values, and who we are as a people, speaking out about this is part of that. Um, and so if, if from the Bema is not the place to do it, is there another opportunity? Who are the allies within the congregation who are willing to come and have the conversation about it? Um, and, and go there. Um, you, you honestly made me think a lot about my time as a dean of students, because as a dean of students, um, often we've got students on a wide range of the spectrum. And as a dean, I needed to be accessible to every single one. Um, and so, you know, how do you do that um, when you're still accessible? Sometimes. You try some things and it may backfire, but, but I would say, don't not try. <laughs> don't not try. <laughs> I would say no, try. <laughs> uh, Andrew Goretsky, the regional director of the Anti-Defamation League office here in Philadelphia, Southern New Jersey and Delaware. Andrew, thank you very, very much for your time and your, most of all your passion, um, in doing the work that you do. These are interesting times. Uh, and, um, we thank you for what you're doing because you help shed a light, I think, and, and provide some guidance to the community. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, stay safe and stay healthy. <laughs> thank you. No thank you, Rabbi Address. I really appreciate good it. Luck, good, good luck with the bar. So I hope you get that checkbook ready, dude. <laughs> you think it's a long way away. It's not, no, it's not a long way away. Yeah, no, we're, 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 we're getting ready for that already. Absolutely. Yeah, wait. Good times. They're good times. But thanks, Andrew. Thank you very much. Keep in touch. And, and seriously, if, if you think there's positions or uh, um, resources that would be, be would be beneficial for Jewish sacred aging to publicize, um, you know, that grandparent component, 
Let me know and we'll be happy to do Sounds that. Sounds great. We want to partner with partner with you. Thank you. To all of you, thank you again for joining us on today's edition of Seekers of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. If you'd like to make a tax-free donation to support our work in these podcasts, go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com, and there's a very conveniently located donate button. Just click on that. Just follow the prompts. It's really easy. If you'd like to become a sponsor for some of these podcasts, uh, please also just email me, rabbi address at jewishsacredaging.com, and we'll take care of that as well. Seekers of Meaning is produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubeckin Media Companies in beautiful Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and a big shout out to our producer, Steve Lubetkin. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address, and I look forward to greeting you on our next Seekers of Meaning TV show and podcast. And in the meantime, Stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy. And most of all, be kind. Shalom. Adah.